Welcome to the 117th edition of the Guna Podcast. This is your host, David Udo, and we're recording on the Monday evening after that 2-1 defeat at Spurs, over a week away from our next game, the second leg of the Champions League tie with Bayern Munich. So without further ado, on to the intros of this evening's panel. First up, the return of one of our original podcast panel back in the early days of 2007. He's in semi-retirement these days, writing his once-regular column in the Guna when the muse takes him. However, the strength of his views remains undiminished, even if they are often contradictory. If we have a spectrum of opinion of the Arsene Wenger future debate, he is firmly in the WLP AMG camps. For those of you unfamiliar with this terminology, that means Wenger's lost the plot or Arsene must go. Always controversial and rarely dull, it's a warm welcome to Mr Steve Ashford, the Highbury spy. Good evening, everyone. And I would like to say, I've only missed one column this season. Oh, okay, don't, don't worry, <laughs> don't worry. You've tried show. an awful yeah, lot, love. Yeah, God bless you. Yeah. Next up in our spectrum of Wenger opinions, someone slightly less vociferous in his criticism, but still of the view that manager's time is up. Currently, with a mission to ensure the future of the Guna fanzine in a climate of difficult times for print media, it matters to the man because it is his baby, as the founder and original editor of the publication. He is also the man that foots the bill for the food and drink consumed by myself and the panel as compensation for giving me up on Monday evenings, so it's especially pleasing to say hello to Mr Mike Francis. Good evening, listeners. Last but not least, the man who sat in my chair in between the stints of Lord Ashburton and myself as hosts of this very podcast. However, he abandoned us to go and live in Japan before returning home and becoming a panellist himself. He's also responsible for his very own podcast on YouTube discussing all things football. Although, for some reason, he hasn't made a broadcast for a few months. Not That's doing... not true, by the way, but sorry to interject. Well, notwithstanding that, we're not doing any hair jokes this month because mm. we're so pleased to have you back. We're not going to take the piss out of you, or maybe that should be the rinse. <laughs> oh, oh it's, a t- it's a tough mic. It's a tough mic. Anyway, to provide a bit of balance... It's a tough crowd because no one's laughing. No, they don't care. <laughs> One person laughing on their own always rather embarrassing, yeah. especially after sex, I find. Anyway, to provide a bit of balance, he's a certified AKB, Arson knows best, and Arsenal do not need a change of manager, so we look forward to hearing his arguments. It's welcome to you, Mr Joe Broadfoot. Tonight, David, I am pro-Venger. Oh, oh Christ, I've got, other, I've got other topics, and right now, to be honest, as a man to another man, I want to kick you. Anyway, mm. look, there are a couple of elephants in the room with regards to Spurs, with regards to the potential future of the manager, but since our last get-together, there's been a very mixed set of performances, shall we say. So, so Steve, let's start with Sunderland away. 1-0 to the Arsenal, us down to 10 men, backs against the wall, resilience on the road. Surely this was just like old times. It was just like old times. Unfortunately, they only did it once a season. <laughs> that's the whole trouble with the, the current team mm. they can look magnificent for 45 minutes uh, take the lead or not take the lead you know spray the ball around as good as any team in the country but it only ever lasts for 45 minutes and the following week you'll go and lose at home to Blackburn in the FA Cup and then you'll lose to Real Madrid uh, then you'll have a very very scruffy 2-1 win against um, Aston Villa and then you'll lose to Spurs so in context although the Sunderland performance was magnificent the only time this year um, Chesney has actually made a save, by the way, I think. <laughs> um, it, was, it was great, Sunday, and I really enjoyed it. I was in a pub up in Bristol, down in Bristol, with one of my friends down there, and it was a really lovely afternoon. And you think, wow, this is great now, we're going to carry on. And then they deflate you like they do every single week, and it's really, really disappointing. But we said that this was a game whereby scientific true fact, Kevin's editorial was 15% positive. 
That's how good that performance was that day. What did you think, Mike? Did you think, you know what, it's slowly going to turn around like when Rosicki came back this time last season? No, I was never that stunned <laughs> of it. It was, it was an enjoyable day, I agree with you. I, mean, it's, I, I was watching it on a, on a, um, a dodgy internet stream and uh, I, it went down. It was perfect for 85 minutes and the five minutes I missed is when we scored. So, in fact, it, was, it literally froze just as Cazorla was about to hit it and it was like about two minutes later before I found out it had gone in. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a great performance, and it, it, it was it was everything that you want to see in an Arsenal team. Um, you know, Jenkinson getting sent off, but just just made it all the better in some mm. ways. Um, Ramsey went to right back and, and played probably his best twenty minutes or so of the season. Mm. Um, he did really well, um, but I wasn't fooled into thinking that it was all going to be right from here on in. What did you think, Joe? I mean, surely you were up with your arms in the air, bellowing 1-0 to the Arsenal, 1-0 to the Arsenal, over and over again, thinking the boys are back. Well, 1-0 to the Arsenal's got a certain ring to it, of course, and we all, we all love it. We all love it when we win 1-0, more than anything. But, um, but it's, to me, it's better than the 7-2 victory, or even 5-2 over Spurs, who we won't mention for a while. But, um, but, yeah, ultimately, it was just... To me, I just look at it as three points, no matter what the scoreline. So I don't tend to get carried away. It's like when we got defeated at mm. Old Trafford, we got hammered there, you know, last season. Yeah. And, and I, I wasn't that worried about it because I thought we weren't going to win anyway, not with the <laughs> team we had. And, and like this season, it's like everyone's getting overboard about how terrible we are. I'm not seeing it like that. It's just it's the same team it was a couple of weeks ago. Mm. And people weren't saying how terrible we were a couple of weeks ago. Won't say how great we were because we're not great. This is a good team, mm. but not a great team. This is a sad thing. I mean, one 0 to the Arsenal. That's um, tuned to um, "Go West" by the Pet Shop Boys. I think that was 1992, wasn't it? That's sad. Uh, that's how long ago in time we have to go. So we lose. What we sorry, we win one nil at the Stadium of Shite up in the northeast. However. Steve, what happened the following weekend? There we were, a home to Blackburn in the FA Cup, thinking, you know what, this will be 4-5-0, got by Munich on Tuesday, we should play half the youth team. Yet, despite it being our best chance of a trophy, 0-0, then we desperately throw the big guns on. Uh, what? Well, seriously. Yeah, seriously. Where did you start with that game? Huh. To me, I'm, I'm, I was, I'm still gutted now, to be honest. Mm. You know, I mean, I said to one of my mates the night before, who's a big Millwall fan, they were, they were playing Luton that, that day. I said to him, wouldn't it be great if we both win and we get Millwall in the next round? We'll meet up, we'll go to the game together, it'll be fantastic. Mm. They kept their side of the bargain, <laughs> we didn't. And do you know what? I, do, I don't blame Wenger for putting that team out because we had um, Munich on the, on the Tuesday following. The players that he put in should have been good enough to beat Blackburn. Now that speaks volumes to me about the state of the squad and the club. You know, those players, you know, you'd have thought Oxlade Chamberlain was better than Championship quality. You'd have thought all the players that came in up front that day, Jovino should have been good. And I was raving about Jovino earlier in the season and when he scored against Chelsea, and I thought he really turned the corner. I did the same, certainly. No, I mean, he's an £11 million player. Oxlade Chamberlain's a £12 million player. The RB is a, is a. We're all hoping the RB is going to come good. Mm. All the players that played in that match should have been good enough to take Blackburn apart. I think that there are bigger things, bigger issues at the club, rather than what players we put out. I don't think they're coached properly. I don't think they're motivated properly. I think they just thought they had to turn up to beat Blackburn. Um, you know, and, and you could say that Blackburn scored the goal, and we had uh, Podolski, uh, Wilshire, and who was the other guy that came on? Because Orla came on. 
um, we, we actually conceded the goal with our first 11 playing. Mm -hmm. I just think it's all down to motivation and, and until the motivation changes, we're always going to get Blackburns at home and lose and Bradford's away because the team are not motivated. What did you think, Mike? I mean, would you have done what you would have done in 2004 and start with the Invincibles and when you're 3-0 up against a first division, sorry, championship team at half-time, you then take three of them off at half-time? Well, that's the ideal way, isn't it? But I mean, I saw a lot of people say on Twitter after, after the Blackburn game, oh, we should have done that. Well, hang on, we did that at Bradford and that worked out well, <laughs> didn't it? You know? yeah. We started with the best team we could have done at Bradford and they were still playing after 120 minutes. Um, so I, I, I'm with Steve. I, I, I thought Wenger played the team selection was spot on. He, he had a, he had a reasonable mix, and the players that were out there had something to prove. You would have thought, um, but you know, coming so soon after the Bradford game, they shouldn't have needed any motivation in the in the training in in, a, mm. in the dressing room. Really, mm. they shouldn't have needed to be anything said. It should have just been go out there, do the job. But you know, there, there is something wrong. The, the, the players that are clearly better than what they, they're, we're seeing on the pitch aren't performing more often more mm. regularly and against the likes of Blackburn who were ordinary and I think I think I'm right in saying they've got, they haven't won since they've played four games since mm. and lost Sounds three and drawn one um, lost three to at home to Peterborough and buggered up a bet from here the week so, <laughs> um, uh, you know that, that, that says it all really what do you think that the problem was Joe I mean look evidently something happened that day was it the fact that despite Despite the fact it was, it was mostly our reserves starting the game, they're so arrogant and overpaid they think they just have to turn up to beat the lights of Blackburn, or was there something else wrong? It seems to be, um, well, we could put it down to arrogance perhaps, but maybe it's just a lack of work rate. Because generally speaking, I think the work rate has dropped mm. over the past few seasons. I've noticed players just walking back, not chasing back. You've got even the likes of Cazorla, I love him to bits, and he's brilliant going forward, but how much does he chase back? People have even accused Podolsky of it, but normally when I'm watching Podolsky, he does tend to track back. But uh, as, as I think I mentioned when we were chatting earlier, I think he's carrying an injury still. So there's a lot of issues with, with the fitness of the players, or maybe, maybe it is an attitude thing. It seems to me like Ramsey is probably put, you know, clocking up the most miles on the pitch, although I'm not seeing those statistics anymore, so I can't yeah. let you know what they are, because I don't know. But it looks like he's, he's clocking, up, clocking up the miles. But what about the other midfielders? Arteta's not really a workaholic sort of player. I think he, he does his best. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think they're probably all doing their best, but they're not. You know, certain players have got a lot of stamina, and this group of players don't seem to have a lot on the stamina front. They've not been rested very much, have they, this year? They've not used his squad this year to the full effect. Whether that's how bad our squad is. Whether yeah. that's because he hasn't got confidence in the squad. But I saw a telling comment in yesterday's papers from Wenger. It was from a pre-Spurs press conference, whether it was the main one or not, I'm not sure. But he still come out with the old, old quote, the only trophy that matters in England is the mm. Premier League. Now, all the time he's got that attitude, it's going to transmit itself to the mm. players, and we're going to continue not winning trophies. Yeah. Because let's be fair, yeah. until he spends that £123 million, or gets a decent coach in, or gets a decent director of football in, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to compete with Man City and Chelsea and Man United. So the only hope we've got of winning trophies is the FA Cup, Carling Cup, and maybe Europa League. But fourth is a trophy, and Wenger's yeah. broke. That's if, the thing. As soon as he said yeah. that, I thought that was a terrible mistake. Saying, yeah. Yeah. saying that fourth, he didn't quite say fourth is a trophy, but more or less, in my mind, that's that was what he communicated by saying no fourth is. If he thinks the Premier League is the only trophy, yeah. we got no hope. Um, well, <laughs> there is one other trophy, being the Champions League trophy. And technically, we are still in the competition at the moment, but. 
Mike, what did you think going into the home game against Bayern Munich? Did part of you think, okay, they've, they've, they've deliberately fobbed off Blackburn because they've got more than one eye on this Bayern Munich game. We're going to do exactly like we did against Milan at home last season. We're going to, we're going to pull it out of nowhere and do a 3-0. Or when the first goal went in, was it that the only thing you'd hear was White Snake doing Here I Go Again? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd had that optimistic of you, Dave, to be honest. Um, I take drugs. I take drugs. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I went into the ground praying we wouldn't be out of it because I'm going to Munich next week. Um, and, uh, well, I suppose we'll technically we're not out of it, but mm. I'm, not, I, I'm, I'm contemplating sitting in the beer keller for the, for the entire day and not bothering with the match. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what? The, the optimist in me thinks that we, we've gone through all this pain this year, mm. all these 2 nil defeats, well, well, not defeats, but going down 2 nil early on in every match, 2 nil down at Spurs, 2 nil down against City, 2 nil down at Chelsea... 2-0 down against Liverpool, it's endless. 2-0 down every week, 2-0 down against Bayern Munich. Part of me thinks that for all that pain, we're going to go to Munich and win. You've had some of David's yeah. drugs, I think. I know. Yeah. Yeah, didn't Nottingham yeah, Forest yeah. do something similar back yeah. in the 70s? Didn't they turn around and they were losing 3-0 and didn't they turn it around? I'm sure it's yeah, been done. Yeah, I think no, because, because I say this because so many people keep comparing Wenger and Clough, so I thought, well, yeah, yeah, let's well. take it a stage further now. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's been it. done, but yeah, I just, I just can't yeah. see it being done. You know, Munich are a very good side, and I think they took their foot off the pedal in the second half. I think they just went for containment and, and you know, panicked a little bit when we got a goal back and started pressing for a second. And, Only the and second then, goal that conceded away from home the entire season. Yeah, no, I mean, they've got a fantastic defensive record, and you can see why, because mm. they've got a good structure, they're well organised, and they've got midfielders that will protect the back four. Mm-hmm. Um, but who also seem to manage to get up the other end and score goals. Yeah. <laughs> you, it's a clever thing, I wish we'd do it. Have you ever seen a season where we've gone 2-0 down in, as, in so many matches as this one? We did I can't yeah. remember it. Did it Sunday? Did it last Tuesday? Yeah. So it was Tuesday before yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, what other manager would keep his job if the club consistently went 2-0 down? I know one man will let him keep the job. Joe, what did you think about the Bayern Munich game? I mean, uh, were you, was, was any part of you surprised uh, by it? Or, or, yeah, we, are, we are obviously playing the best team in Europe at the moment in that tie, mm. as Milan are proving against Barcelona. Um, mm. They've got two teams there, anyone could win. But Bayern Munich are the best, but is it safe to say that we just didn't challenge, didn't look as though we were going to? Yeah, I, I wasn't. I was, of course, I was disappointed, but it was expected. We, we, I, think, I think the best we could have hoped for was a draw. I know it sounds terrible, but with, with this team we've got... Yeah. Hmm. Fourth is fourth is possible. I still maintain it. It could happen. I know everybody disagrees with me on, mm-hmm. around this table, but I actually think Arsenal could we quite easily finish fourth uh, because if you look at the run-ins, you know, and, and fourth is fourth is a trophy in Arsene Wenger's mind. Mm-hmm. That's what he's aimed aimed for. Go to two and against but against in the Champions League against Bayern Munich, as soon as that as soon as that came out of the hat, mm-hmm. I mean, I thought, well, let's forget about the Champions League then it's not going to happen this season because we need a lucky draw mm. to get all the way to the final and then it's it's just a one-off game but I didn't fancy this beating Bayern over two legs I really didn't I thought we might win 1-0 that was my I said best we could hope for was a draw I thought we could win it 1-0 but then when we got off to the start we did obviously we weren't going to I think a bit like Steve game. like you know with the mentioning the AC Milan game when the draw was made you know I was like going, I'm actually pleased we're at home first because yeah. I thought you know big night big European night good atmosphere and if we, if we can get a, you know, a positive result, you know, 2-0, two, 2-1, two two something mm. like that, you know, I thought, I'll oh, fancy our chances. But by the time the game came around, the reality had come back into life. And oh. I was like, oh, I yeah. don't fancy this to get anything. <laughs> <laughs> can I just add something as well? Because Wenger actually said pre-match, and this is what killed it for me, he said, 
you know, nil-nil is not such a bad result. I went, oh my God, he said that before <laughs> the game, before the game. And, and as soon as he said that again, he set the bar at nil-nil. Yeah. So I thought what we will achieve is probably going to be worse than nil-nil. Like he said, fourth is, is great. So yeah. I thought fourth is the best we'll get. Mm. As soon as he said that, it, it's psychological. And I thought the guy's a master of psychology and there he is setting the bar quite low. So there may be other reasons that are not psychological for that. You know what really, what really, really upsets me about Arsenal at the moment is that we, we, we've got the fifth highest turnover in European football. I don't know whether that includes world football as well, but certainly European football. Mm. And we, we, we don't even com- look like competing for the Champions League. Mm. Not even competing for it. Mm. I mean, what, what we've got past the last 16 once in the last five years. Um, was that where we played Man United at our yeah, place? Yeah, we went to the semi-final. And we are mooned yeah, ourselves. But you just, yeah. We're just in it for the money in the group stage, the appearance money, you know, last 16, good night. Yeah. Mm. I mean, what is the point? What is the point of supporting a football club in the Champions League if you know you're going to go out in the last 16 every year? Because we all know we haven't got the team to compete with Barcelona and Bayern Munich and Real Madrid and the rest of them. Mm. Uh, is it safe to say we're out at this stage? Uh, look, I mean, Mike, obviously I know you're going and I, I was this close to taking a ticket I was offered for the Alliance Arena but to be frank it's the same week as Cheltenham and I'm going on the Wednesday it's going to be a great set of racing but, um, Thanks for that I was th- due to go on the Wednesday <laughs> I, was, uh, I was due to go Tuesday and Wednesday I've had to rearrange and only go Tuesday Send me a text I'll go, I'll go with whichever bookie you want whatever you fancy <laughs> I mean, but, look, and, and, I am, to be completely honest I'm slightly jealous about not going because um, seeing Munich and Munich um, all it needs is us to open up and score in the first five minutes. And part of you would think, this is going to make Bayern Munich shit themselves, isn't it? But that's yeah. kind of what I was saying earlier. So yeah. I, you know, <laughs> yeah. You've led me into that, whatever you... But, you know, Wenger, a lot of us sitting around here would, would go, we're not going to do it. Send out the kids. Yeah. Concentrate on the, on the game that's wanted yeah. the following week because that's now more important. Mm. But Wenger is the idealist and will go, we can do this. You know, we'll go out there and we're going to go hell for leather in the first 10 minutes to try and grab that early goal mm. we'll probably end up conceding twice and then we'll still believe we can do it and play rush goalkeeper for the rest of the game yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah on that note it wouldn't even surprise me if we won 2-0 and still went out yeah like last yeah, year yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I couldn't see year. that happening I remember we, last time we played Barcelona I mean they dominated us in the second leg yeah we, we beat them at our place they, they got the, the two goal cushion which is absolutely fine and then Bender had that one on one in the last minute I think I literally shit myself and I thought oh my dear god Bender, Bender's yeah. going to put us through to the, the, yeah. the next round obviously oh. he didn't fell over oh. his own head oh. but, um, uh, what are you thinking Steve are, are you praying that the headline on the, the back of the Daily Mirror is going to read you haven't got a prayer Arsenal <laughs> well, in the hope that we can repeat you probably will say that but to be honest I've, 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 apart from that wild fantasy that I just mentioned that we, you know i you know, there's a one in a million chance we might just pull it back. Mm. Um, I'm not even worried about that. I'm more interested in Swansea, as you just said. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I <laughs> want to win the, the remaining 10 games, see if we can get in the Champions League, and then sack Wenger and build from there. Well, we'll, we'll, leave, we'll leave Munich to one side. Um, so we've had our sort of three support acts, as it were. Now you've got your, your chief support act and the, the headliner being the, the Spurs spanking yesterday. But, I mean, just before that, we did have Villa. Um, well, you know, Wenger's hopes, as you said earlier, before the Bayern Munich game, was um, nil-nil wouldn't be an absolute disaster. However, we've got a goalkeeper who makes Almunia look like Peter Shilton at the moment. Mm-hmm. His record for conceding the first shot on goal every single game is ridiculously high. And Bintike's the only player Villa have got. Yeah, Andreas Wyman has a go from about 40 yards and that goes straight through Chesney's hands. Mike, what were you thinking in the Villa game? Great comeback uh, for the one-all or...? 
were you hating him or you're shaking your head you're going to shoot me you're going to shoot me right <laughs> it was woeful wasn't it yeah uh, um, I mean we got the early goal in that game as well we actually mm. came out of the blocks mm. fine but you know didn't build on it got the 1-0 yeah. again arrogance complacency call it what you will seemed to, seemed to go oh this is going to be a walk in the park and uh, to be fair I think most of the fans might have thought it as well mm -hmm. although I'm sure in the back of most of our minds we were thinking don't let them have a shot on goal don't oh god no that was that was a mistake wasn't it yeah um geez the second goal was such a relief because if, if yes. that goal hadn't come that ground was going to be very nasty at 90 minutes I think Absolutely, it was already yeah. building and there was already plenty of dissent well we're, we're living on the edge all the time aren't we one bad defeat yeah. or one bad result at home and the whole ground erupts mm. and we're living we're living like that for the rest of the season and that's purely and simply because the fans have had enough they've had enough they've had enough of a keeper mm -hmm. that hasn't saved a long range shot all bloody season and I used to like Chesney I thought Chesney was a good keeper but he's, he's coached by Fulham's ex-third choice keeper. <laughs> Why is he being coached by David Seaman? Or, or, or Jens Lehmann? Mm. Why is he being coached by a short-ass, midget ex-Fulham keeper who never played any decent standard of football? No wonder he's gone downhill. Mm. Short-ass? Are you sure yeah. about that? Jerry, Jerry, <laughs> he's only about 5'10". Oh, he's yeah, really? 5'10". Yeah. Oh, okay. Now, now um, you know, I liked Chesney. I thought he was the future. But his kicking hasn't improved. He's not shaving any long shots. He's not dominating his area. He's a butter fingers, and that Villa one you just knew straight at him, straight through him. You know? Yeah. So the Sunderland game was a one-off because he actually made two decent saves there. Mm. But he's uh, not a bad shot stopper from close range. Yeah. But he's useless at one-on-ones. Bob Wilson was the best one-on-one -on -one stopper ever. Mm. Uh, Chesney is the antithesis of that, and he's also the antithesis of a shot. He just will not get in front of one. Yeah, he's got a good habit of sort of getting out yeah. of the way of the ball. And I did read that Wenger is after Pepe Reina or Victor Valdez to replace him. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> God, God rest our souls. Neither of those two are any good either. Uh, going back to Jerry Payton before I pass over to Joe, you do realise Jerry Payton's only been a goalkeeping coach at one other club. That was Nagoya Grand Passate. Who was the first team manager when he was at Grand oh, I, I am not making this up. I'm not making this up Only other job he's ever had in football. Joe, did you think it was a good comeback from, uh, you know, we, we let, let in a humiliating uh, equaliser. There's only about 10, 15 minutes left. Was it a real set of balls from us to, to bring it back? Or was it just Arsenal finally pulling their finger out against a shit team like that? I didn't think I didn't think Villa were, were that bad. I was at the game, and um, I, lo I loved the way they were playing football. Actually, I thought they, they spread mm. they spread the ball about well, and uh, we're not we're not very good against teams that do that for some reason. Because <laughs> uh, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm here. I'm I'm saying I'm pro Wenger, but I don't think he's he's strong on tactics, and certainly not strong against um, against against teams that that play play with the full, you know, full width of the field. He, he doesn't seem to counter it. Mm. Well, he doesn't seem to counter anything, does he? Let's face it, he said, oh, Bell, um, we will not make any preparation for him. Like, he said <laughs> nothing. You know, and the guy, the guy's a bit of a problem. He, okay, he only scored one against us, so I should be happy about that. Mm. But, you know, ultimately, that guy who scored the goal, I, I said, I was, I was tweeting like crazy on the day. I mean, I know I'm, I'm, I'm a bit boring when it comes to that sort of thing, but I, there I was tweeting saying, this guy needs to be sorted out and mm -hmm. and we just let him roam about do what he likes and I mean that's this is why that was a game actually when Nacho was doing doing his nut I think he was yeah. actually saying can can somebody help me out here and then and then the guy he actually scored from from the middle didn't he he sort of moved moved around because at the time he was causing us havoc he was coming down the right uh, their right wing and just mm -hmm. 
causing so many problems. We'll and I really this. thought I really thought we were up against it against Villa. And okay, they're they're low they're quite low in the table, obviously, but I'm not so sure they're that bad a team. I'm, I mean, looking at them on when when well, they had they had Zogbia, yeah. Weinman, and Benteke up front. Yeah. Is that any is that any worse than what we had? I'm um, Benteke. He's on a great run of form, and we kind of snuffed him out to a point. We didn't. I mean, Benteke didn't cause a lot of problems. No, not not at all. So, um, so I was just happy with three points. Again, like I said, one nil to the Arsenal suits me fine. Yeah. And, and the fact we scored the goal, you know, quite late on, obviously was was a bit of a bonus. But I just wanted to mention something about Chesney because you were all chatting about Chesney. I thought, when when am I going to get? Oh, sorry, Joe. Please excuse yeah. me, Joe. Please excuse me. Yeah, well, well, Chesney, to me, the reason why Chesney's not playing well is there is no backup goalkeeper. Because as soon as, you know what it's like in any sort of walk of life, if you've got no competition, how do you excel? You need the competition to push yourself. Mm. He has no competition. Manoni, I don't think he's terrible, but he's not the best, is he? And Fabianski, don't get me started on him. So, Chesney is the number one goalkeeper, default that's the default mode. He would have to literally pick the ball up, throw it in the net three times before Wenger would even consider dropping him. Because he's not going to put Manoni in, is he? Yeah, well, that's he's dying on, on the manager, though, isn't it? Because the manager consecutively, season after season, transfer window after transfer window, had failed to sign a, a backup keeper or a better keeper. I'll tell you what, it comes back to a point, I'm not sure which, which one of you uh, made it, but somebody said rush goalkeeper. And that oh, yeah. is what Wenger thinks. You do not need goalkeeper. You have good players on field, and that's enough. Well, this is that's really, what he thinks. This I'm the, really convinced by that. The really sad thing is, I mean, uh, my understanding, speaking to several people, uh, is that with uh, Olympic Lyonnais uh, set to go under, they haven't got any money left whatsoever. Their best player by a mile was the French international captain Hugo Lloris. They approached Arsenal because the manager at Lyon is uh, Remy Gard. He said, oh, so we need to get rid of our goalkeeper. He's the French captain. You can have him for about £7.5 million. You know, €10 million, Euros, that's all we want. Wenger flew him over. And then before he got to Arsenal, he said, no, I promised Wojciech Chesney three seasons as our first choice. He hasn't had them yet. So the guy just carried on up Seven Sisters Road and signed for a better team. And as we found out yesterday, the guy can play a sweeper. Chesney, on the other hand, is the tallest man in China. So, as we pointed out... Um, Villa took advantage of us by putting it wide very, very quickly. Very good, very accurate, very intelligent 40-yard balls. You see that the opposition does that against you. You'd like to think the manager would say, OK, we need to train against that because we're coming up against Spurs and Gareth Bale. The fact that Wenger either ignored that, like he said in his press conference, uh, we don't prepare for our opposition, we just do our own the best we possibly can. Is that worrying? Or the fact that he did actually coach something and we defended so far up the pitch we looked like a bunch of idiots playing against the Invincibles and Henri. What did you reckon, Mike? It's 30 minutes, though. I mean, like, there's, there's a lot of criticism of, of, of the defence and, and fair enough, it's, you know, it's justified. But in the first 30 minutes, they were playing a pretty high line. The difference was the midfield were getting pressure on the ball, mm-hmm. so you didn't have the, the the room. The the top midfield, the path, and the Sigurdsson didn't have the room to pick the pass. Mm-hmm. And there were players running, and we had a couple of close calls. But you know, you, if you're going to play a high line and, and play offside, we saw it in with the, with the great team. You know that you're always going to have a few close calls, and occasionally it will break down. But you've got to get pressure on the ball, and that just wasn't happening. And I was like screaming at the telly, going, "Get fucking pressure on the ball!" Yeah. And you know, Gary Neville then comes and says the same thing after me. And my wife's going, "Oh, you are Gary Neville." And I was going, "Don't ever say that." <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but it's so true, you know. And, yeah. and the comment on 
Friday. I mean, I, I make a point of avoiding listening to Wenger's press conferences because I know he's nearly always going to say something that I'm going to go, oh, for God's sake, what are you saying? And the comment about not preparing for the opposition. Is there any other manager in the world that doesn't prepare this team against for the opposition? And, and, and you, you, you watch other games on TV and the manager, you know, you, you, they, they pan across to the stand and they go, and David Moyes is here today, you know, because Everton are playing so and so next week. Mm. Wenger never does. I mean, you, I'm, I'm sure we've probably got people that go, whether it's Borrow or whoever, mm-hmm. you know, go and have a look at the opposition, but it's never Wenger. Good you know, point, actually. It's strange. Well, if you, I think the goalposts moved when Mourinho came over in 2004, whenever it was, 2005. Mm. He won titles with Chelsea, took over from Wenger, essentially with teams that were built on tactical discipline, uh, stoical defending, defensive stability and work rate and tactics. Now, since then, every other team has picked up on Mourinho's you know, kind of blueprint. Mm-hmm. He's doing that with Real Madrid now and beating Barcelona, who are still operating under the Wenger modus operandi. Yep. Um, so Mourinho basically moved the goalposts from Wenger ball to Mourinho ball now, Wenger is still living in 2004. Mourinho is living in the current time. And all of the current teams in the Premiership, or most of them, have all taken that Mourinho blueprint. Don't let any goals in. Work hard. Have a tactic. Know what you're doing. Know about the opposition. Know what the danger man is. Wenger hasn't got a clue because he's still living 10 years ago when, when football was different. Mm. But the Wenger blueprint could work again providing you've got the players that can make it work at the moment we've got players that are not quite the level they were a few years ago because mm-hmm. because as many people have pointed out we've we've let the likes of Van Persie go and bring in Giroud I mean Giroud, to me, Giroud, Giroud is a good player but he's not quite the level of Van Persie the way Van Persie left us anyway not the way Van Persie started at Arsenal I think Giroud his first season is better than Van Persie as Giroud has actually come out and said I think statistically, um, it sort of proves me right on that. But then he's a bit older. You know, you can factor all these things in. But ultimately, you can't keep... It's like de-investing. We're de-investing in our team. We're doing the opposite of what we should be doing. Rather than bringing in talent, we're getting rid of it and replacing it, but, you know, sort of quibbling about a few well, quid. Oh, we can't well, spend that well, money on a goalkeeper. We're millions on wages. You know, I mean, mm. okay, I, I take yeah. your point. We're not going out and buying and spending mm. the money we've mm. got on players during the summer, but we've still got a £150 million wage bill, which is a million pound a week more than Spurs, yep. roughly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet, and, and, you wouldn't and know it's the equivalent of United's. But it's yeah. fourth highest, the wage bill's fourth highest in the Premier League, right? Yeah. So, and if we finish fourth, you can see where Wenger's coming from. But right? how many of those millions are we wasting expect? on players mm. that, that, never play. that aren't going to play for us this season? You know, I mean, Ben, uh, we're probably, we're, you know, the, all the players that are alone, Ben, Janilson, Al Shavin, you know, but he thinks he's, there's loads. But Wenger probably thinks he's saving us on transfer fees, which, I mean, the record proves that he is. Mm. He's saving us money on transfer fees. He's raking in all this money, all this profit. Where's that coming from? It's coming from Wenger. So we've got to give him credit for some money on transfer fees. Yes, worries. I mean, look in January, for example, we accepted approaches uh, from Evian and Bastia and Brighton for Sebastian Scalacci and Reading for Andre Arshavin. Arsenal's reaction was, please take them. If you can only pay 10% of their wages, take them. And the players' reactions were, well, we only have to do three days training a week. And it's really, really nice. And it's in London. So, um, no. No, all right, actually. That's absolutely fine. This is... It's a really, really sad thing. I mean, this morning I was having a look at the uh, the loan watch 
on uh, Arsenal.com. And uh, we've got 14 players out on loan at the moment. And out of those 14, in the last round of games, eight of them didn't even feature in the matchday squad, yeah. let alone yeah. play a minute. Um, a couple came on as subs. Um, actually, if anyone has seen Rio Miachi anywhere, if they could get him to ring me just so I know he's alive, I'd appreciate it. Oh, what about it. the Brazilians? No. What's his name, that Brazilian? That oh, been? Wellington, Wellington. Wellington yeah. Silver. And there's another one, but there's another one came over as well, you know, playing in Spain somewhere. Oh, Joel Campbell. Oh, no. Campbell. Uh, yeah. Samuel Galindo. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll tell you what, if and then, when Arsene Wenger does go, you know, whoever comes in will have to sort out the biggest Fred Carno circus you've <laughs> ever seen in your life. There will be, he will sit and look at the books and look at the wages and the players and who gets played and, who, and the squad. And he would think, how on earth was it allowed to get this bad? Mm. You know. I'm interested, what players do you know are out of contract this summer? I know that Arshavin yeah. are out of contract. Uh, yeah. Bentner's 2014. Um, yeah. Although the most interesting thing, and horrifying thing... You mean we've got another year of playing Bentner 52 grand a week? Until yeah. we can find someone else to take him off us. Yeah, that's my Bring understanding. Him Put him in the squad. He's better than Giroud. Absolutely. He's better than Shamak, who can't get in the squad for West Ham United anymore. Um <laughs> You know, he's better than awful lot of people. We're not making any of this up. It's ridiculously sad, but it is what it is. Um, I, my understanding is Fabianski's contract's expiring in the summer. Um, I hope so. I mean, going back to Giroud, and I don't know how you can compare Giroud with uh, Bentner. Bentner was a reasonable player. I wasn't. I, I didn't have Bentner it in can, for him at Bentner all. But drop his shoulder and beat a player. Yeah, but how many goals did Bentner score in a, a, in a season? To be fair, Bentner was always played out wide. Or always yeah, yeah that's true. That's yeah. very true. And, yeah. and you know, this bring, comes back to the point of how many times do we play players out of position? Mm, yeah. You know, Ramsey, Ramsey goes from left wing to right back when his best position is somewhere in between. Yeah. Um, See, that's that. <coughs> the same when we were chatting earlier. I mean, that's a recipe for disaster. You play too many players out of position. The team's going to struggle. They, they will, no matter how good the players are. They won't be happy playing where they are. And if you've got three or four playing out of position, it makes you wonder that come, why. That goes back to, to the mm. early success, doesn't it? Wenger mm. had, you know, on converting Henri, converting Lauren, converting mm. Toro. You know, I think he thinks he can do it with anyone. But another manager will come in and he'll go, Arteta, defensive midfielder. If ever a player was unsuited to play that role, it's Arteta. Arteta is a diamond, a gem, a, a, a silver player. He's fantastic. I mean, Arteta should be given free roll, mm. you know, just behind the front two or three to spray the ball around, put it through, set players up. Mm. Be, he's not a fucking runner. It's, a, it's embarrassing. Mm. I'm talking about four players. players. Yeah. 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 But the point is, the reason why, why all this is going wrong is because David Dean's not in the club. I know, or somebody of that ilk. Because, because clearly Wenger needs somebody who he can sort of relate to in the boardroom because at the moment it appears that there is no one and, and no one's overly surprised by that when you look at the composition of the board or decomposition of the board you wouldn't you wouldn't really fancy mm. your chances of having a decent football conversation with any of them would you let's no. be honest it would be a struggle so imagine Arsene Wenger must feel really isolated since he he's clearly wasn't happy when David Dean left and, and what have we won since David Dean left the sad thing about this is that we all know Arsene Wenger loves the club. We all know that he loves the club as much as we do. We all know that he feels our pain unbelievably. You've only got to see it when we lose a match. I mean, he's the most, probably the most upset man going. Now, wouldn't it be just simpler to put him out of his misery so he can be an Arsenal fan like the rest of us? And maybe if we get a new manager that has <coughs> some success, mm-hmm. Wenger can enjoy that as an Arsenal fan. Or perhaps it would be simpler just to draft somebody in so he's got proper members of staff that he can actually relate to because at the moment 
rightly or wrongly, he might not want to listen to, to the current people he's got around him. And maybe Arsene is responsible for some of that. But what we could do is restructure the club. That's what we could do and keep Arsene in place and say, look, Arsene, things are going to change a bit. We've, you know, For instance, if we don't finish in the top four, I think that's, that's a good reason for the club to restructure yeah. and say, look, Arsene, it's going to be, you're not going to have everything on your own terms anymore. You will have to listen to this, say, director of football or whatever you want to call it. And, but the, the board are not going to bring David Dean back. And David Dean and Arsene get on great. And, it's, and it's, been a, it's been a relationship that's worked. So why not? Why did they break up a relationship that worked? I just don't understand it. Other than that, it was personal reasons from certain board members. Oh, it was David Dean trying to do that very dodgy thing of um, uh, getting this guy Stan Kroenke, whatever his name is, to invest into the club. And of course, um, Peter Hillwood doesn't want his type round here at all. His sort. We don't want his sort. Absolutely. Well, you know. We'll take think, his pepper. Though. I think David Dean is yesterday's man, though. To be honest, yeah. as much as he's an Arsenal fan and. We all love him for what he did for the club, and you know, I mean, if he was twenty years younger, fine. But he's what he's seventy-one, he's going on seventy-two. Seventy-one. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. I mean, <clears throat> we saw on TV yesterday, Niall Quinn, very eloquent, loves football, ex-Arsenal player. You know, sorted out all the transfers and all the business at Sunderland and Man City. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would, I personally would love to have someone like Niall Quinn in our boardroom or as director of football or chief executive, working with Wenger. You know, I, I think we would see a change overnight. It'd be brilliant. I yes, think, I think you're right. I yeah. think we would. I think we would see some changes, but I just yeah. don't think Wenger would ever allow it to happen. No, in that case, he, he he's, he's very much his own man, and it's his way or no way. Mm. But and the point his is, way is by himself. The point mm. is, Mike. Though he has taken on more and more and more work, and when you get overburdened with work, you can never really excel anymore, right? Because because it just gets too much, and he's actually doing more than one person's job. Now it appears because David Dean's gone, and that that was a lot of work that that seemed seemed like Arsene picked up the slack for that. Mm. So I, that's where my sympathy comes in. You know that I think, well, how much is Arsene to blame? Like somebody said to me one day, well, isn't Arsene just being loyal to the club? Isn't that why he doesn't say bad things about the board? Mm. He probably feels just the way the rest of you do, but he doesn't want to say that. I mean, this is not coming from my mouth. I'm just sort of yeah, reiterating true. what somebody else said. But but I thought there might be something in that. And then I read an article the other day where they were saying that Arsene has got into super Superman mode and he's he's struggling with it because mm. it's just too much for him. Is that too much for him? I please please correct me if I if I'm I'm saying the wrong thing. But in Dick Law and Ivan Gazidis, we've got a CEO who runs the football club itself, and Dick Law, who's never actually in London apart from very very rarely handles, my understanding is, the negotiation of each of our transfers. Um, it's not like Manchester United, when Ferguson turns around to David Gill and says, Van Persie, get him. And David Gill says, fine, I'll do my job. You carry on managing the first team. He's then got over-involving himself and uh, everything needs to be reset. You're, you're nodding your head well, very quickly, Mike. Only because I think, you know, you, you put the nail on the head. I think that's exactly it. And, you know, Gazidis has, has sort of suggested this in the past, that you can't, you can't work the way, well, he doesn't believe that him and Arson could work the way that um, mm. Ferguson and David Gill do, because the, the board have given Wenger a budget. That budget is transfer fees and wages, and so therefore they can't go. Don't worry, Arson. We'll go and do the negotiations. We'll mm. pay an extra twenty grand a week, but, to, but we'll make sure we get our man. Yeah. Because Arson will go. Hang on a minute. Twenty grand a week out of my budget. No, no. I want that for that youth player that, that we're about to sign. There's never going to play for Arsenal ever. Yeah. You know and. and 
so, so it can't work that the way that we've got it set up. And I agree that maybe that's not the right way of setting it up, but mm. that's what we've got at the moment. Okay, well, <clears> look, there, there are two very, very clear $64,000 questions to be asking you, James. We'll, we'll start with the, the team one before we go to the club one. The team, at the moment, we are five points off fourth place after this Spurs game yesterday. Seven behind Tottenham. Um, what do you reckon, Steve? Will we make it? If so, who's going to drop out of the current top four? Blimey, that's a good question. Um, given, given, that we, given that we haven't managed to go more than five games without losing a match this season, and given that we've got a striker that doesn't strike, uh, two strikers if you include Wally Walcott, who thinks he's a striker. Both got double figures, by the way. But yeah, but neither have scored any stats stand in the way. Neither, neither have scored in the last six games. <laughs> and you're only as good as your last match. Giroud and Walcott have not scored in their last six. They're our main strikers. Wenger will not play Podolski as a striker. I don't see us winning more than five of the remaining ten games. If only won 13 out of 28, that's less than 50%. I see absolutely no reason. Wenger did not strengthen in January when he had the opportunity and the money. You know, if he had it done, I might have said we'll win seven of this ten or eight of this ten. He didn't strengthen, he had the money, and now he's suffering for it. And, you know, we told you so. Mm. So I would say we're probably going to win five of those games, draw two and lose three, which means we'll finish fifth. What do you reckon, Joe? We'll end up with 70 points because I've done, done the maths. Mm. I can't remember all the games, but the one we're going to lose is Manu. Sorry about that. Yeah, we'll still lose to Manu. Gotcha. And we'll probably drop points elsewhere, but we'll still end up with 70 points. That's how I've worked it out. And strangely enough, Spurs finish below on about 69, so it's pretty tight. But they're going to drop points here and there. You should see the end of... You know, they've got a lot of tough games coming up. Mm. Uh, they've got Chelsea, Man U, Liverpool. We've got Man U, really. That is, that Man City, is they've got Man City. And Man City yeah, as well. Yeah. So they're going to drop a lot of points. And surprise, surprise... Everyone has to play Everton. I've got us finishing fourth, but tying on points with Liverpool. So that could be a bit dodgy. I think mm. Liverpool are going to win a lot of games. So this is going to beat Spurs on Sunday? Yes. What about you, Mike? Are your heart and your head saying completely different things? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I've done exactly what Joe's done. I looked, did last week. I um, looked at as Tottenham's and Chelsea's run-ins, and I agree that the, the next five or six games that Spurs have got, they probably won't win too many of them. They might only win one or two. Um, so, we, you know, I can see us being ahead going into the final stretch. But their, their last four games, I had them down to win all four, and that includes when we play Man United. So I ended up with us finishing a point ahead of them. However, I did have us down to beat them yesterday. Mm. So that's rather blown that out of the water. But I do think Chelsea, is, there's still potential for Chelsea to come back into it, to be drawn, pulled back into it. And, you know, maybe we've actually got a better chance of catching them than we have against catching oh, Tottenham. definitely got a better chance of catching Chelsea. But, but I'm a, I bet agree with Steve, you know. Um, ten games left, I think we need minimum of seven victories. And I don't see it. The thing is, Chelsea have got a reasonably easy run-in. Um, the only thing is, they, they have got this tendency to shoot They've got Benitez. The They've got Benitez, yeah. Which, is, which again, brings, brings us back to our Arsene Wenger question. Because when you look at the other managers out there in the Premier League right now, how many of them could you say you would definitely want instead of Arsene Wenger? I'd have to say there are none other than Sir Alex, but Sir Alex is too old really to well, replace Wenger. You wouldn't so have Rodgers? You wouldn't have um, Laudrup, but Laudrup, he's had a good season, one good season in the Premier League. Is that is that um, pedigree? You wouldn't have Martinez given our defence. Not really, because Martinez, what has he proven? I mean, we were, <coughs> somebody mentioned the other day, uh, who's that manager at Bolton who's 
no longer at Bolton. Dougie Friedman. Owen Coyle. Coyle. Yeah, and somebody mentioned him and said, it was only about a year ago that everyone was saying, why doesn't Owen Coyle take over Arsenal? And there was a lot, there was a groundswell yeah, of opinion of saying, yeah, let's get Owen Coyle in. Oh, no, let's not, about two weeks later, you know, suddenly he's not flavour of the month anymore. And, you know, football fans are fickle. That's, that's part, of, part of the game as well, and we have to accept that. But we've got to be careful on uh, acting on that fickleness, you know. I wouldn't we've, say we've got fickle. We've all wanted Arsene Wenger no, in no. four years. <laughs> I have. Three, three years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, very, very quickly, uh, as we're running out of time, uh, Wenger in or out for you individually, gentlemen, and a very brief summary of why. Let's start with you, Joe. Purely because we are in- interested, generally, generally. Okay. I don't want Arsene Wenger to leave but I would like the club to be restructured, presuming we don't finish in the top four. I'd like to see somebody come in to deal with transfers to get the men that Arsene wants, as opposed to you know wheeling and dealing. Because Arsene can't do everything. He's he's trying to he's got too much on his hands, and that is why he's underperforming as a manager. I feel because he's not getting the assistance. Now he needs somebody alongside mm. him he actually trusts and can talk to. At the moment. That's not happening in my But all opinion. he's got to do is go to Gazidis and say, I want someone to help me. Yeah, but we don't really know that. We, we're, we're assuming that. You may be right, Steve. I'm not saying you're wrong, but with Gazidis, he seems like a nice enough bloke. But yeah. does he know anything about football? I'm assuming but not you very were in much. Position, or if I was in that position in my job, mm. I'd go to my boss and say, look, I need some help. I want, I want some help here. But what if Why your boss... I, I don't mean this personally against Gazidis, but what if your boss was incompetent? Would you, would you feel would you feel yeah, just more inclined to ask for something <laughs> because if he was incompetent he might but he might he might mess it up and I mean I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm making assumptions we're all making assumptions yeah. I'm making the assumption that Arsene isn't getting the help that he needs right now and, and he certainly I'm sure he hasn't got the same level of trust in Gazidis that he had in David Dean that's the feeling I'm getting because mm. even after David Dean left have you ever heard Arsene say anything other than positive about David Dean no, I not at all no, not at no. all quite the opposite no. what about you Steve what if Wenger uh, takes up his job as chef again gives Tottenham food poisoning for the last two games of the season we manage to squeeze into fourth should he be um, congratulated with an extra year on his contract or no. is he no he should be congratulated because it'll be an achievement he would have <laughs> achieved as a target uh, and, and, and goodness knows he's spent enough money trying to achieve it despite what everyone thinks mm-hmm. he spent that money on bad players but um, I, I think okay we got, we've got him fourth fine Chelsea won the European Cup last year thank you Roberto and good night mm. that's what it'd be Shemai ruthless you know thanks Arsene you got us into fourth brilliant we're going to move on now we're going to go and win the Champions League next year so that's my view you know I mean I love Arsene Wenger for what he's done and I feel sorry for him and you know I dare say I'd love to have a pint with him he probably wouldn't like to have a pint with me <laughs> but I just think for the good of the club he, he's the yesterday's man and to finish it off Mike I, I, think, I agree with Steve I think, I think the time has come for change um, whether it's the change that Joe sort of talked about which I don't, I don't think would be enough to be quite honest and I, I can't, can't see it happening while, while Arsenal's still at the helm but I think I think the saddest thing is is that he is hurting, whether he's destroying or not, I'll let other people judge, but he's certainly hurting his legacy and that the, the divisions in the fans now is not good and I'd far rather he'd left two years ago and we all said, stood back and said he was a great manager, he was fantastic whereas I think now it's going to take a while for that to repair, even if he goes in the summer, mm-hmm. and there's going to be some people who are very much against him who will probably never forgive him for the last few years and, and I think that's, that's the saddest thing, 
Um, I, th I think it'd be just best for all concerned mm. if he was to go in the summer. And I'm not going to, I'm not looking to hound him out. But I know Kev said some some, some stuff on the edit on the website recently, and I know where, where he was coming from. Where it was like, unless we take some positive action, mm -hmm. we're not going to get any change. It's going to be same old, same old. And I think that was where that was coming from. I, I didn't necessarily agree yeah. with what Kev had said, but I know some people do, and that's fine. But. Um, yeah, well, change. I suppose that comes out of this is um, there is an absolutely brilliant article in our current issue of the Guna out at the moment about how you indoctrinate your kids to support Arsenal and the ups and downs of doing it. Um, Steve, Joe, Mike, have any of you got any experience of this particular phenomenon or stories about those that actually do? Why are you looking at me? No, no, because you're the gaffer, because it's yeah. your magazine boss. Well, my, oh. mate, my mate Terry, he's got a godson uh, or, or might, might even be nephew or nephew and godson two of them okay both Arsenal fans uh, he indulges them in the kit every year teaches them about our history makes them watch games that we're likely to win so you can say aren't we brilliant flat track bullies and all that mm -hmm. so he's seen and Bradford and Blackburn this year them, yeah, <laughs> keeps them away from any negative influence and it seems to be working I was going to, well, it's difficult. Those kids at the moment must be in a boarding school. I would have thought a rugby playing boarding school. Mm, uh, any stories from you, Mike? Yeah, well, I got I got two boys that um, I uh, force-fed Arsenal and, <laughs> and the Goonham for that matter for the first ten years of their life, um, and, and until uh, they they moved up north and. Um, uh, one lost interest in football altogether. One briefly became a Man United fan, little git. Ooh. I'm sure he did it just to spite me. Um, <laughs> and then uh, then decided to start supporting Burnley, of all teams, being a local team to where he's now living. So right. so I failed miserably, I'm afraid. Although, although to be fair, the Burnley lad, he was, um, he was a big fan of ours a couple of weeks ago when we were playing Blackburn. I don't <laughs> think he likes to say <laughs> well, much again. Well, to be honest, that, that bears mm. out the point. For, for supporting a football team, I know, I know a lot of people say, oh, father to son, father to son. It doesn't work like that, I don't think. In a, mm. in a majority of cases, the, the, the person, the human being, they choose their team. Mm. My dad was a Millwall fan, you know, and he, I went to Millwall when I was a kid. Never had any idea about supporting them. Yeah. You know, um, and, I, and I think it just comes from you, doesn't it? Mm. I mean, you know, it's, it's, in fact, it's rare and unusual for a son to support the same team as his dad. Yeah, yeah my Despite dad is not keen on Arsenal at all. I can imagine. And, um, yeah. Well, I think he... He ended his career more or less at Highbury. Mm. Um, I forget who it was, but um, he went back to Millwall. Um, no, he was, he was at Ipswich at the time, and he got okay. he got it was in a reserve team game. He was playing uh, <laughs> reserve team football at Highbury, mm. and somebody came in with a with a knee high challenge because that was back in I think Bertie Mead probably was manager then or just mm. taken over. It was back in those days when Arsenal used to play a little You're bit more like support the so, team that your best mate supports rather than you That best. is very true because yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah. reason why I supported Arsenal primarily I, mm. I, it did sort of run in the family but it was more because all my mates at school supported Arsenal all yeah. them, even though I was in South London they were all Arsenal fans so when I picked a team I picked Arsenal and then everyone seemed yeah. pretty mm. happy on my mum's side of the family over that. But um, but yeah, my kids, I've bought a Arsenal shirt after, after Arsenal shirt. And um, yeah, they like Arsenal, but they're not passionate about it. And they're not even passionate about football, which is a real mm. wind-up. My, my youngest son. son, get this right, my youngest son is called Thierry. Because I, I named him that in 1999, just prior to yeah. Omri signing for us. So I thought it might happen. And I wanted him to sign for it, so I never knew he was going to be a legend the way, yeah, sure, sure. The way he's become. But, but yeah, so so whenever I go somewhere and I, I, 
I'll put his name down. They go, oh, you're an Arsenal fan straight away. Yeah. His name's Thierry. In that case, I'm going to get myself a pet cat for my new flat yeah. and call it Falcao Cavani and any fucking goalkeeper. Yeah. 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 Just to finish this off, gents, yeah. um, there's, all, there's another piece, actually, in this uh, current issue 233, available all over the place, on um, your favourite Miss Spot Kicks against Arsenal, uh, penned by, I believe... I believe yourself, Mike. Um, obviously, you've got ten. I'm not going to go straight to you because you're looking at me like that again. So I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll go to Steve. We've had an awful lot of cracking penalties missed against us, which we all remember for different yeah. reasons. What's yeah. your own? Well, I would have said for a long time it was the Man United FA Cup one in 1988 at Highbury. Mm-hmm. Brian McLaren. Brian McLaren. In front of a gloating North Bank. Mm. But my all-time favourite penalty miss has to be the one in the 2005 FA Cup final where layman saved from someone whoever it was Paul Scholes Paul Scholes and mm. that enabled us to win 5-4 you know Absolutely. I mean you, we needed to score all five penalties to win that game mm-hmm. and luckily one of theirs was saved so because we haven't won a trophy for eight years that's the last trophy we've won that has to be the best penalty save I, I, I liked uh, Jens' reaction to that he, even when we won the shootout he wouldn't celebrate I was just doing my job now fetch the piano yeah. by a force attack yeah. he yeah. could be punished now, <laughs> now eight years later <laughs> that it's come full circle we can't even score two penalties in the shootout mm. we lose 3-1 to bloody Bradford they're dodgy posts at, um, at, well it's not even Valley Parade anymore wherever it is they play how the mighty have fallen well and us as well sadly oh. uh, um, what about yourself Joe yeah it's strange when, when you started mentioning that I thought I just can't I can't think of any that I've celebrated I mean I obviously have but I just don't remember them I just remember the, the misses that have cost us you know like I started thinking of the Cup Winners Cup final um, what year was that 1980 uh, and when it Graham Ricks hit the post or something and, and Brady Brady, and missed, Brady as well. missed as well Brady and Ricks and they were the last people in that team that were going to miss and, and they did and, and that cost us a cup I'll tell you another really good penalty save sorry to interject Joe was um, Villarreal 2006 semi-final absolutely it was never a penalty in the first place it was a harsh Homer penalty awarded by a Homer ref to try and take our Champions League spot away from us mm-hmm. Villarreal missed and the rest is history the end of that season uh, Juan Roman Raquel, uh, Raquel May got banished back to South America and no one's heard yeah. of him ever since yeah. Mike you've got you've got well, you've got 10 in that I imagine there was probably oh, 20 in your I think I only did 6 actually oh is it just yeah. 6 in it oh, clearly you've all read it is that <laughs> Oh, of course. Um, <laughs> There's a great picture of David Seaman pulling off that save against Sam Doria. As a goalkeeper looking at goalkeeper, that's the best penalty save I've ever yeah. seen. It's interesting what Joe was saying about it. you instantly think of the ones that we've missed because we did a um, <laughs> we did a thread on the on the Guna forum and uh, um, said, you know, have we missed have I missed any out here? And um, immediately people started going, yeah, there was that one we missed against Southside, the ones in the cut, one is cut. I was going, no, the ones missed against us. God, yeah. you're not so negative. And um, I, I, I'll confess on this one. I'd, I'd written the article. I'd written. I started writing it. It was um, there was a it was a picture on the uh, on the Google website of the Brian McClare penalty miss, and I sort of started thinking there must be a few we can write about here. And I started writing it, thinking I'll just write about a thousand words and mm. we'll p- p- put it on the website. And I wrote and I wrote and I wrote a bit more, and it was like up to about two thousand words. And I was going, "Jeez, I've only written five penalties." <laughs> And I was like, oh well, you know, and I said to Kev, I said, you know, bit, fill four pages in the next issue now, if that's all right. And yeah, okay. And then, then went to the Brighton game, and I was chatting about it in the pub beforehand, and I was going, yeah, I've, I've mentioned Brian McClare, I've mentioned Skulls, Raquel Me, Graham Roberts in 85, yeah, I think yeah, it was, at, at White Hart Lane. Yeah. 
Um, and there was another one in there, and I said, yeah, what have I missed? And I went, Van Nistelrooy. <laughs> oh, the one at the bar. Yeah. Oh my God! The one at the bar. And I was just yeah. like, I was shell shocked. I, I, I was like, for the next half hour, beat the season without yeah, that. Exactly. It? For about the next half hour, I just sat there going, I can't believe I missed that one out. So I had to rewrite the article to fit it in. But um, yeah, squeeze that one in. And that is a brilliant moment on which to finish it off. It is almost time to wrap up, but before we do. Your third reminder that the current issue of the Guna, number 233, is still available through the store on the online Guna.com website, and there's an e-edition available if you prefer to read it on your phone or tablet. It can also be bought at any away matches up until the next home match versus Reading at the end of March, when we'll be releasing issue 234. Support your Guna by buying a copy and giving us to, giving, uh, helping us in staying in existence. We may even have a former Arsenal player from the 80s signing copies of one match soon. Just keep an eye on the website for further details. Finally, the usual reminder that if you want to email us about anything related to the podcast, our address is gunapodcast at gmail.com. And with that, it's goodbye from Steve. Goodbye, everybody. See you next time. Mike. Goodbye. Good luck for the rest of the season. And Joe. Goodbye, Pro Benga, finishing talk. We'll be back in early April to reflect on the next stage of a season which has divided the Arsenal public. But until then, this is your host, Dave Ludo, saying thanks for listening. La di da di da, la di da di dee, all good friends and jolly good company. Well, hey!